0: good morning it's good to see you wherever you may be uh, in the lounge rooms that you're in it's uh, on your phones maybe but wonderful uh, to, to have you joining us here and um, oh what a what a season if you've been watching the news they get our hopes up don't they and then they dash them again but it, it's good to be able to connect like this at least and we pray that you'll be encouraged because of it. And today we continue on with a a series we've been looking at. We've been looking at the book of James and this whole theme of living the faith. And uh, it's been a wonderful book for this season. It's been very, very practical. Down to earth, gritty, honest, the stuff of everyday life. And I'm fascinated that people so many years ago went through the same uh, themes, the same issues that we go through even today. You see, in this letter, James unpacks what the Christian life looks like and encourages us to live our our lives and our faith, to to put it into real action. Now we're coming to an interesting point in the letter of James. If you've ever written a letter by hand, and there may actually be some people watching who haven't, maybe give it a try, but if you've ever written a letter or even an email, when you get towards the end... You know, you, you tend to start thinking about the purpose for, for writing once again. You, you tend to summarize a little. And, and it's your last moments to get those last words in there. And they're, they're often words that are, that are important. They're, they're, they tend to be heavier. They're more weighted. And so now James is coming to the end of his letter. And then this week, and then the next week, our last being in the book of James, he's starting to round out some of these things. He started the, the letter by encouraging us to endure in our faith. And now he begins to wind down his letter with an encouragement to be patient. To be patient. Now some encouragements are easier to receive than others. For instance, if someone was to pat you on the shoulder after you've, you've, you've played an instrument or you've done a job of some sort and they, they tap you on the back or nowadays wave from a distance where well, they might say, great work and you can receive that, it feels good thank you. Or if someone walks past and says, hey, you're looking good this morning you know, love your shoes or I don't know some, some encouragement there You know, it makes you feel good, you can take that you might even respond with some kind words, to encourage the kind words, well thank you, thank you for your, your kind words then there are seasons where encouragements are harder to swallow. When things are tough, when things are not going well, when things are getting harder day by day, it's often in those seasons where we most need encouraging words, but often where they're the most difficult to receive. No more than two simple words, be patient. Have you ever heard those Have you ever been in a season and someone said, it's okay, just be patient. I wonder what that stirred within you. I know when I've heard those words, part of you says, well, thank you, but I'd really prefer this just to be over. I'd really prefer just to get through this. These are the words that James shares with us now. Be patient for the Lord will return is how he starts this next section. And what a season to be reading these encouragements from him. What a frustrating time at the moment. We were just getting excited about the ease, the easing of restrictions and then we get this late message last night that no, we're not going there yet and actually some of those restrictions are being tightened. I'm not sure how you find these constant changes. I wonder if it's wearing your patience thin. I know it is mine. But in this time, we too can take these words and be encouraged by them. Be patient. Read with me from James 5. We'll be reading from verse 7 and I'll have it on screen, but if you've got your Bibles, open those too. We read this. Dear brothers and sisters, Be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rain in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience in suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We gave, we give great honour to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no, so that you will not sin and be condemned. Be patient is how James starts. These are the words that he gives to us to encourage us. Now, these two words can be said with good intentions, like I mentioned before but they can still be hard to swallow. These two words don't always seem to ease the pain. And unlike so many people who may share these words with good intentions, James shares these encouraging words, but he does more than share these words as a quick pick-me-up. Remember, James is not into shallow or pithy words with good intentions alone. It was James who previously reminded us that You should not just walk past someone and say "Stay warm and eat well," but then not give that person any food or clothing. He says, "What good is that? What good are words alone?" And so, what we find interesting in this passage is that he continues with some words of wisdom that help us to build up our patience, to be patient—sorry, to be more patient. Strategies to help us build our patience in tough times. And warnings to stop us from getting distracted while we wait. And similar to last week, there are these recurring themes that emerge here in this letter. There, there's a mirror, there's, a, there's an encouragement and a warning, and an encouragement and a, more, a warning, which we're going to look at here this morning. But the overwhelming, overwhelming theme is this to be patient. Be patient, for the Lord will return, says James. Anticipate the Lord's return, he says. In the midst of all the struggles of life, and in James especially, he's mentioned just previous, previously the wealthy and the powerful, abusing the powerless And in a sense, these words go to those who are being abused, to those who are the powerless. He turns to them, he says, be patient, remember the Lord is coming. And so for us, in the difficult situations, we can be reminded of this one truth that the Lord will return. James points us back to this one guiding truth, that for all that is not certain, we know that Jesus will return. That is certain. And it gives us hope. I wonder what things you were planning this year at the beginning of the year. I'm sure you had so many things to look forward to. And then COVID struck and all of our plans went out the window. And it's easy, isn't it, in life to get focused and distracted on the, the things that are temporary the things that we enjoy in the moment. We are reminded here this morning that this is not the end of the story. When change comes, there is a constant. And James gives an example of a farmer waiting for the rain. He paints a picture of a farmer who's patiently waiting for the rains to come in the August and in the spring, And then as that harvest grows, waits for the harvest. It's interesting, he waits with no ability to bring the rain and no ability to bring the harvest. These these are all things that God has ordained. The farmer relies on the God who brings the rain. He relies on God who brings the harvest in its due course. And in this time, farmers were far more reliant on the rain. They didn't have the irrigation systems that we have. They didn't have greenhouses that could protect their harvests from the weather and to be automatically watered. No, they were completely at the mercy of God. And so too, we cannot bring the rain or the harvest. We cannot control the ways of God, for he works in his season. And in the midst of that, we need to be patient. And the rain will come and his harvest will come. That is, cert- that is certain. But until that day, whatever that may look like for you, take courage, says James. Literally, the literal translation is until then, stand firm in this hope and in this solid truth that Jesus will return. a reminder for us in this season not to focus our eyes too much on what is temporary but on what is certain and as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, whatever this life will bring, we can know this, that Jesus will come back that he will return and we can find hope in those words it's interesting because these, these words were written a long time ago so often I, 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 I'm in conversations with people and many people ask, well, this was written a long time ago and even in that time James says the Lord is coming soon and a long time has passed. <laughs> so why the wait is the, is the question behind that. Why the wait? Well, I love 2 Peter 3.8. And if you've got your Bibles, open this one up and maybe during the week you would like to look at this closer because... This is answered for us in this, but the beautiful thing, it's within the context of the Lord's very return. It paints a picture of the coming of the Lord. And in 2 Peter 3, from verse 8, we read, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about this promise, as some people think, no, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. So that's the answer. What, why the way? Our Lord is waiting for people to come and to place their faith in him. But verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along, on that day he will set the heaven on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. Verse 13, I love these words, but we are looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth that he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. Don't you love those words? We are looking forward to the Lord's return. As James is trying to encourage us, whatever this world, whatever this day brings, look forward to the hope that Jesus will return. And it will come unexpectedly, we read in 2 Peter, unexpectedly, when we least expected, least expected, to so be encouraged, be reminded, anticipate that the Lord is coming, let that shape the way you live your life. Be patient, the Lord will return. And in the midst of this, James reminds us, encourages us, but then he warns us of some things that may take our eyes off the prize, as you could say. And here comes his first warning. Don't get distracted and grumble, he says in verse 5. Don't grumble at at each other or you will be judged, says James. Now, let's be honest. (laughs) When we get impatient, what is one of the first things that we do? we often start to lose our patience with one another. If you're sitting at the couch at home with your family, I wonder if during this time, if your patience has been thinner than usual. I wonder if you've got upset at each other more than usual. Now, I'm saying that you're probably looking at each other and laughing a little. I hope you're not right in the middle of an argument right now. <laughs> if you are, let us know. We'll give you some support. <laughs> but this season, this is very true right now. All of our patience is just being worn thin with the changes. There's this anxiety in the midst of this season with all of the unknown. And so what's one of the first things we do? We, we snipe at, one at, each other, at each other. And I know that I've been able to continue to work, thank God. And I know that you can come to work and give your best at work. You, know, you go, you spend all your day with people and you, you put on the brave face and then you get home and it's often those that you most love who get the, the rest. We do that with family, don't we? And James is talking here about a church family who it seems are getting quite impatient with one another and grumbling at each other. But here are his words. More than ever, these are times we need to come together. These are times we need to continue to love each other and to support, and to support one another. To support each other the way that Jesus calls us to. To love one another as I have loved you, said Jesus. So don't be distracted. Don't turn on each other. Don't turn on each other, giving you and giving God reason to judge you when He returns. And there's this interesting almost two-faceted nature of God that James presents. The Lord will return, he says, with hope and anticipation. Our Saviour will redeem us, but he's also our judge, so be careful. We're reminded of the following words, 1 John four eleven. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. God lives in us as we love one another, we read. Ephesians 4.2, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Some translations say, bear with one another. And it can feel like that sometimes, can't it? It's not always easy to show love and patience and care to one another and for one another. But we're encouraged to keep focused and not get distracted. We continue on with another encouragement. James continues... Be patient, he says, and remember the prophets. Look to the prophets, he says in verse 10. We give great honour to those who endure. And the encouragement is this. Look to those who have gone before you, those who have persisted patiently. Look to their lives and find encouragement from them. And it's so true, isn't it? When we find ourselves in a difficult situation, It helps to look at the lives of people who've gone through similar or even far greater and more difficult situations. When we look at their stories, as we read their stories and how they endured and how God was faithful to them, so it builds up our endurance, so it encourages us, so it stirs up something within us to say, we can do this, we can go on. It can be easy just to focus on our own situation. And to personalise everything, like the world is against us, like no one has gone through what I have gone through, but when we lift our eyes and and look at those who have gone before us, and even some who are walking with us, we are reminded of their situations and that if they can go on, and if God is faithful to them, so we can go on and God will be faithful in our situation. James reminds us, He very broadly says, look look to the prophets, choose your favourite ones. But then he mentions one particularly. In verse 11 he says, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Now as I read this, I need to be honest, as I read this I think, no, anyone, James, anyone but Job, Did you have to mention his story? (laughs) If you don't know it, you can find it in the Old Testament. Job was a righteous man. And he suffers, he loses his wealth, he loses his family, he loses his friends, he loses everything. Everything. (laughs) Begging on the streets covered in boils. And what's more, if you know his story, he's not even a perfect example, which is probably good for our sake. Because even in the midst of his suffering, he begins to whinge. (laughs) He begins to question God. He begins to bring his case before God. Why me, says Job. But the one thing we do see in his story is that even in the midst of his failing, he waits patiently on God and God is faithful in the end. In the end, God restores him with everything that he lost. And all the more, God shows his tenderness and his mercy more than ever before at the end. In regards to to Job... Douglas J. Moo says these words, for although Job did not complete, did, sorry, for although Job did complain bitterly about God's treatment of him, he never abandoned his faith. In the midst of his in- incomprehension, he clung to God and continued to hope in him. And Barclay said, Job's is no grovelling, passive, unquestioning submission. Job's, str- Job's struggle and his questioning and sometimes even defying God. But the flame of faith was never extinguished in his heart. And so we're reminded that even in the most difficult of situations, that God often allows in our journey to grow us, to challenge us, to strengthen us, to draw us to himself. In the midst of that, God is faithful and restores us to himself. So remember that in your trial, in the tough times, God is full of tenderness and mercy still. No matter where you find yourselves, God will be faithful. So remember Job, says James. I'm not sure if there are other people also in your life. There might be other Christians who you have walked with or who you know of, and their journey's, can encourage you. Re- read a good autobiography. The, or the, the stories of, of Christians who have gone before us, often the missionaries of the past, uh, their, their stories inspire us because of the struggles they went through to share the love of Jesus. Remember the stories of those who have gone before us and it will encourage you, it will give you the courage to go on. And then James finishes with a last... Little warning. And it's an interesting part of the passage because if you're reading it as I did, it almost changes direction. Many scholars actually wonder if it, and have argued whether it belongs to the, the words before or after. But if we're to follow this pattern that James writes be encouraged, be warned, be encouraged, be warned, there's another warning here for us. And it's this, don't be disqualified and curse. You see, here's another, here's the connection with the warning before it. Here's another folly of the tongue. It's a pattern in James. Previously, James has warned us to to, to not speak too quickly and that he reminds us of the dangers of our tongue, the untamable nature of it. And in this portion, he has already mentioned the grumbling tongue. Now he mentions the cursing one. And you could say if grumbling is to speak against one another, then to curse or to make a vow is to speak on behalf of God and often against him. Now this is an interesting idea because to take an oath or to curse isn't probably something that you've done lately. It's probably not as common in our situation. When you've had to make a promise to someone, and, and in this case, this isn't foul language that is simply being uh, mentioned here. This is a, a promise that you may give. For instance, "Yep, I promise I will, I will do what I've said." And often in this day and age, they would also give an oath on on heaven itself or on creation itself. "I promise I will do this thing." They're pretty big words. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 34, But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple yes I will or no I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. You see, if we could summarise this, what simply saying is don't forget your place. Don't make vows upon which you don't have any control of. This is God's domain. By doing so, you speak out of place. You speak beyond what you are in control of. So don't be disqualified and do such a thing. Now, I'm pretty sure that most of you won't this week. It's not a general or a common practice. But it's a reminder, again, to be careful how we speak, to be careful how we promise. And so there's this pattern here. Be patient. Remember, the Lord is returning. So don't be distracted. Don't grumble. Remember the prophets, be patient, remember them, let them them inspire you. Don't be disqualified, again by your tongue, don't be disqualified for the prize. Keep your eyes focused, be patient. I wonder what and how you find yourself this morning. I wonder what situation you find yourself in. (laughs) Above all, in the midst of this, I can encourage you with these words, Be patient. And if there's nothing around you that you can focus your attention on, remember that our Lord will return. That is certain. That is certain. May that give you hope. May that inspire you to continue to live your life for Jesus. Don't turn and grumble. Don't be disqualified. Keep your hope in Jesus Christ and be patient for he will return in his due time. Just like the rains come, just like the harvest come, our Lord will return. May that give you hope and inspire you in this season. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your encouragements. We thank you that as we read your word, it lifts our eyes. It takes our eyes off the situations around us, And it gives us something far bigger, far greater. It gives us hope. And Lord, in this season we find ourselves in, all across the world, Lord, it's frustrating. Oh, it's also depressing. So it's hard to find hope in and of ourselves and in the world in which we live, but we thank you, Father, that we can lift our eyes and look to you And thank you for the promise that you give, that you will return. We thank you that this is not it. This is not the end of the story. And so we pray that you may help us to continue to walk on to live our lives for you. And so, Father, I pray for every single person out there listening right now and for those yet to listen. I pray that your Holy Spirit may fill them and lift their eyes to look upon you. I pray that your Holy Spirit will fill them and give them boldness, Lord, that you will fill them afresh and give them patience and strength. Lord, I pray that you will fill them with courage to live tomorrow and the next day for you. Lord, help us not to get distracted. Help, our, help us to keep our eyes focused on you, we pray. We pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus and we all say, Amen. I invite the worship team to round us off in worship and praise because our, our God deserves it. Our unchanging, constant Father deserves it. Thanks, Wally. As uh, Knowing what... What he was going to share this morning, I was thinking, obviously, about what song we could finish with, and of course there are many options. But the verse that caught my attention in that whole passage is particularly verse 11: "The Lord is compassion, and is full of compassion and mercy." And um, I suppose sometimes we may be in the midst of suffering and trials, and the need to be patient. We say, "Lord, give us patience."